0: This is The MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Hi and welcome to the show. Today I am so, so pleased to be talking with an MS fitness expert and coach, and I've seen him around online, I've worked with Dom. So we're gonna be finding out what Dom's doing to help the MS population. Please welcome Dom Thorpe. Hi Dom.
1: Hi, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: That's all right. So um, you're here, and I know you do lots of online fitness, and so I thought, let's have a chat with Dom, let's find out what you're doing, uh, a little bit more about your sort of passions and your purpose in life and the MS community, if that's all right.
1: Absolutely, fire away.
0: Yeah, so I guess right at the top, Dom, what's your background and how have you arrived to be doing what you're doing?
1: I suppose start from when I was young. So. I'm a child of divorce, and from the age of about five, it was me and my mum living together. And, uh, and my mum had MS, which is one of the reasons why I do this. So we, we grew up together in the Shires in, in Buckinghamshire, moved around a lot, uh, and eventually came to London to do university, where ironically I studied engineering. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was while I was at university working in the gym part time. That I kind of fell into uh, uh, a role in the fitness industry, specifically for sort of disabilities and chronic illnesses because of my mum's background. So, and, and that's kind of what brought me to where I am today.
0: Hmm. And so you started out, I guess, wanting to help your mum.
1: Well, sort of yes and no. So I was actually a bit late, unfortunately, to help my mum. So uh, to give you a bit of a timeline, like I, I I'd graduated from university and was working in the gym part-time so fitness was becoming a thing uh and and what i actually did was i applied for a manager's job there and at this point my mum was uh this is when she was becoming quite disabled uh like she for most of my life she'd been one of these uh what well, you would describe her as an invisible illness type of person so you know she she would tell me she had ms but i couldn't really see anything and she didn't really talk about any any challenges that she was facing but when i left and went to university it seemed like everything seemed to re- decline quite rapidly and she in the space of like that sort of three to four years she went from being sort of perfectly able to walk around to being full-time wheelchair user Uh so so I was working in the fitness industry, uh, but at the point I, I, I was a bit of a, a bit ignorant, to be honest. I kind of thought uh, people with disabilities or chronic illnesses or MS couldn't exercise, uh, and I think that's what a lot of people were told in the olden days. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until I saw the opportunity to go on a course, which was specifically for fitness for people with disabilities that was the title of the course and it sort of sparked my interest because having my mum in in the position that she was in i thought disabled people can't really exercise but let's see what this is about and i went on the course and i came away thinking wow like this is actually something that's hugely important uh and then pretty much straight away i went about uh, and kind of set up the personal training company so I'd set it up in the background while I was working at the gym uh, with a focus on disability. But so this was, I officially launched the company in 2008, but by 2006, my mum had sort of uh, had, uh, I guess, had a relapse that was so severe, she'd basically fallen into a coma. Uh, You you know, no no movement, no anything, couldn't talk, couldn't feed herself, couldn't move. You know, she was just uh i guess in a vegetative state in a home so so everything that i was learning and had learned all of a sudden you know couldn't really apply to my mum unfortunately but i think that's kind of what's driven me to sort of share it with as many other people as possible Mm -hmm. Uh, and so yeah my mum was sort of with me still Albeit not really with me, if you know what I mean, for six years after that, and eventually she passed away in two thousand and twelve. Uh,
0: and that's and really, that's really sad, isn't it? And
1: yeah, I mean,
0: and that's one of the things that can happen with MS, and you can never predict well, the relapses. And no, you,
1: you you can't. I mean, and and it's I don't want to get too morbid on camera, but they 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 kind of say you can't really die from MS. And technically speaking, it was pneumonia that my mum died from officially. But I think uh, it it was MS that kind of got her to that point, if you know what I mean. Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, it was was a massive struggle to six years sort of, I wasn't literally by her bedside for six years, but visiting her, not knowing whether or not she knew I was there even, Uh, you know, getting no response other than the odd reflex action or something at the sound of a voice or, or whatever. So it was. It sounds sad to say it, but it was almost a bit of a relief eventually when she did pass. Because it, if she was conscious at all for any point throughout, throughout that six years, it would have been horrific for her to to kind of have to go through it. So uh, I, I, I expect if if she knew what was going on, she was relieved. Uh, but it was yeah a difficult six years to to go through really.
0: Yeah, yeah, it must have been really mm-hmm. hard. I think, but that sort of contextualizes how you've got to do what you do yeah and with the amount of passion that you're doing it how has the business evolved then
1: uh it's changed quite a lot over the recent years actually so originally uh it was face-to-face personal training and me living in london i would go around to people's houses and at the time uh there were, because there's a limited number of people with, with disabilities or, or chronic illnesses in the area, I was kind of limited. So I was doing a mixture of of people with some sort of condition, but then also able-bodied people. But over sort of the, uh, over the next 10 years, I think what had happened is there was a trend, an emerging trend, things like the Paralympics and uh, hosting the Olympics and stuff like that. More people with disabilities uh, or chronic illness started to think they could actually exercise. So, as a result, I started getting more and more inquiries, uh, and so people would be googling it, and because and, and no one else really does what I do, I'm always coming up the top of Google. So, so over those ten years, the the percentage of people that had disabilities in my client base started to increase and, and gradually become the dominant sort of. Uh, dominant force isn't the right word but yeah the the majority (laughs) uh and then i'm super lucky i decided to take it online uh about two years ago nearly and yeah well i say super lucky because coronavirus has obviously just hit everybody and if i was still doing just face-to-face i'd have been screwed but Mm. uh over the period about two years what i was doing is both online and face-to-face but uh, because i was seeing the people that were doing the online Training, we're getting far, far better results. It just seemed logical to sort of move towards that uh, because a, people would get better results. B, it was a bit more scalable. I can reach people now across the globe, whereas before I was tied down to London. And you know, there's there's a handful of people in London uh, that that I could help, but now now I've got a broader reach. And I finished with the face-to-face clients, literally at at sort of the turn of the year this year. This year. so, uh, yeah, a couple of months of being solely online and then coronavirus hits. And, uh, and I, you know, I thank my lucky stars that I coincidentally sort of chose to, to pick this time to make the leap, so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it was strategic. It wasn't as if it was forced on you to no, make not, that change, was it? No, not forced.
1: I mean, I could just, first of all, the, the primary thing was reach, okay? Uh, well, I say that not entirely true there were some selfish reasons i've had a daughter and when you're a face to face personal trainer i was literally leaving the house at 5:30 every morning and coming home at about 9:30 in the evening and i didn't see my daughter ever so the idea with the the online is also to give myself a bit more time so that i can actually spend it with my family so that was part of the incentive but broader reach was a huge thing and as i said i started to see people would get better results just because you can give more you can give more to them and more structure to the program. Uh, and I suppose a bit of independence rather than people get hooked on personal trainers. So you, you go once a week and when you're not there, people don't really do anything. So, so uh, but I think they think, Oh, it's all right. I'll see Don this, at least I see Don once a week. Whereas with online stuff, I, I give people the, the sort of the independence and the tools to do it on their own. Uh, so, so there's accountability, but not in the same, not in the same way really.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're predominantly online and what kinds of people are you helping? So what kinds of disabilities or or so, not disabilities?
1: Yeah. Uh so the vast majority will be people with MS uh at varying stages. So you I'll get some clients that are newly diagnosed and are freaking out cuz they're like, "Oh, what do I what do I do? What should I be doing and stuff?" Uh to people that uh, you know have been in a wheelchair for a number of years, and typically it's people that kind of know they need to be doing exercise, but either a bit too scared, uh, can't do what they used to do, or have never done it before, so have no idea where to start. So, trying to do it, deliver programs in a way that I, I know will be safe and effective for people uh, is the main thing. So, but on top of people with MS, I, I'm i don't really discriminate against uh disabilities i i try and uh i don't really work with anybody who doesn't have uh a condition of sorts but it might be something as simple as endometriosis uh or uh, you, you know some it can be anything that stops people doing typical types of exercise or that makes it a struggle because my job's kind of problem solving so I will, I will look at what what where are the issues why can't you do that's the
0: engineering you, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, maybe it is, yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, what's not working for you and how can we do a workaround, apply all the same principles of health and fitness, but in a way that you can handle it uh, and, and see results. So, so yeah, conditions, wide, wide and vast, you know, Parkinson's, cancer recovery, stroke patients, chronic fatigue, get lots of people with chronic fatigue, ME, uh, things like that. Uh, because there's a lot of similarities actually with the, the approach that I would take with someone with MS because of the fatigue, there's often often an issue there.
0: And so you do, you work with them, what does this working with them look like?
1: There's kind of two main formats, right? So there's a lower cost thing, which is sort of meant to be for a broader market with uh, where I I've tried to recreate myself digitally, so to speak. So series of exercise videos, which are me guiding people through workouts, Uh, daily emails, so that every day they're reading stuff. And I try and teach everything I know to my customers uh, through those daily emails. So every day you're being taught about either nutrition or how your body works or ways to manage your symptoms or ways to keep yourself mentally positive try and pack all of that in there uh then i give nutrition plans with people as well so because a lot of people want to lose weight they're finding if their mobility's dropped they've gained a lot of weight because they're basically putting in the same amount of fuel as they used to but they're not hands in anywhere.
0: the air on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah exactly so uh so yeah like it, and and sometimes it's simple solutions but people people don't know these solutions so it's just about trying to put it or convey it in a in a simple understandable way so so that's like the sort of semi off the shelf type thing and i say semi off the shelf with ms uh it's the ms warrior program and i try and break it into three categories to make sure that the exercise videos uh, suit people as best possible so we've got category a which is sort of for people with little or no symptoms category b which is for people that are struggling to walk might use crutches or a, a walker and then there's a category C for full time wheelchair users. So mm. yeah. So that's a 12 week program. People are left to their own devices to do it. Although they do get an email and guidance from me on a daily basis, it is it is effectively up to them to do it. Whereas the alternative is the sort of the one to one coaching system where they'll get everything that's in the Warrior program. They'll get the daily emails and the nutrition plan. The exercise is different though. I I give them an app on their phone and then i'd customize a program around their body so we'd have to start off and do a video call a bit like this i'd be i'd be saying right balance on one leg for me or touch your toes just to get an, an assessment or an idea of how mobile or, or how much core strength the client has and then i'd build a customized plan uh put it into the app I'd say off you go try this for a week or so and then we'll review it and if we need to make any changes then we can And then that kind of feedback loop carries on throughout the twelve weeks, Uh, always, always trying to make sure that the program really fits the the individual, so to speak. Uh, And then I'm on the phone every week, phoning them up, saying, "Did you do your exercises? Have you done it? How much weight have you lost?" Uh, You know, uh, because there are there are little things that people miss. All right, the whole point of exercise is to improve your ability at something. Okay, so sometimes people might do the warrior program and they might just spend 12 weeks lifting the same weight, doing the same number of repetitions and it's good to keep fit, but it doesn't improve their fitness or make them more able or stronger. Whereas with the custom fit, I'm able to see and say, okay, look, we need to increase the weight here or you should be doing more reps because you're capable of it. So there's a bit more guidance on that side of things. So, Mm. Hopefully, I've I've waffled. Hopefully, that's clear. The two, <laughs> no, the two. Uh, they're
0: two different the two different yeah. models that you work to. Yeah. And do you base any of what you do on specific approaches or science?
1: Yeah. So yes is the first answer. Everything that I apply is based on years of standard fitness science. All right. All I do is 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 sort of modify things slightly. To make it suit the individual, because the same rules apply right uh, to get stronger is the same thing you need to do to get more flexible is the same thing to do to lose weight is the same things uh, it 's just understanding that the the individual because their legs might not work, they might not be uh, burning as many calories so it's it 's the application of existing science onto a different scenario first and foremost, and that 's mainly because uh there isn't a lot of science to back up exercise for ms because for a number of years scientists and doctors were saying oh don't do any exercise don't exercise uh, <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah, exactly uh what's funny is i'm reading a book at the moment and doctors used to say that to people anybody over the age of 40 actually oh, they used well, to say okay. if you're over 40 don't exercise because you'll be using Your energy, which you've only got a finite amount of, so you want to take it really easy, which is ludicrous, right? Uh, So, And and it's kind of ludicrous to suggest that someone with MS doesn't exercise. It just really needs to be done in a way that's manageable for them. Uh, But Mm. I'm pleased to say it does appear, and this is all quite new, it does appear that they've started investing time and money into understanding the effects that exercise will have on someone with MS. and, and it's not
0: just the physical benefits, is it? It's, no,
1: a lot about the mental benefits as yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, they've they've kind of said exercise is good for your mental health for a long time. Uh, and it is. It releases endorphins, so that's going to help. But I think to some degree it has a greater impact for people with MS in similar conditions because it it shows you that you are actually capable of doing some, some things that you thought you weren't. Uh, and it, And it can help with maintaining independence and these are all of the things that when they get taken away from you that's a big strain on, on your mental health so to to know and, and show yourself that actually I may have MS but I can still get stronger uh, or I can still lose weight uh, despite you know medication or inactivity it's quite empowering from a mental, yeah. perspective, a mental health perspective as well uh, so yeah so there's 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 emerging evidence at, uh, at the moment i know the ms society have done some fairly basic studies on on fitness and they're looking more at resistance training now rather than cardiovascular training because resistance training is a bit better for functional strength which is probably more important i think uh so so yeah there's...
0: yeah there's definitely a benefit and i know for me personally I think within the last few months, I've emerged from what has probably been an 18-month relapse. Okay. Um, Even though I'm apparently secondary progressive nowadays, which is something I don't really acknowledge the different labels. Okay. Um, But I'm just sort of coming out, I'm emerging from an 18-month relapse. And I've been on the walks that I normally used to run on, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll be able to jog again. Um, you know and just working on all of this so there are endless possibilities I think with MS
1: it's an ever-moving
0: landscape isn't it
1: yeah absolutely and I've got a bit of a theory about the the whole sort of secondary progressive uh, uh, sort of diagnosis and and this is just uh, uh, an anecdotal theory it's not based on any science at all but it seems to me that And the numbers will back this up. The majority of remit relapse happens to younger people uh, and people who get diagnoses later in their life tend to be diagnosed with either primary progressive or it's later in your life that you move from remit relapse to secondary progressive. And it seems fairly logical to me that the difference is as we get older, our body doesn't recover to the same degree. Uh, And this is fairly well backed up uh knowledge uh, and we've known this for many years so if you have something that's uh, attacking the 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 myelin sheath causing you problems if you're young uh, and fit and healthy chances are likelihood of regrowing or recovering is quite high but as people get mm-hmm. older their their ability to recover from those relapses i think deteriorates and i think at that point that's kind of when you're transitioning into it and uh again just a theory of mine but it it seems fairly logical
0: Mm. and no i i I agree with that you know our bodies are are reducing in the ability to be able to recover definitely i'm going to be 50 this year and i'm thinking before i hit 50 i want to really see what i'm capable of um even though i've got ms you know you can never give up um so and that's really port- really important to me and I guess just thinking about things, how do you keep people motivated um, So I know you've said you do the daily emails and things. How do you do that with some somebody who's got this chronic illness
1: uh, yeah that's that's the biggest challenge actually trying to the, the, the mental health is often the biggest barrier for people to exercise because it's Doing the exercise is often the simple part. It's having the mental strength to stick to it when times are tough, or if you've had a bit of a relapse, or you've had something that's bad happen into your life. So, I try and I try and start by encouraging people to focus on the the more positive aspects of things. So, rather than looking at what you've lost. Uh, you know, and comparing yourself to where you were previously, which is not productive in the slightest from a mental health perspective, is to try and look at where you are now and where you need to get to. So, uh, you know, we can use you as an example, right? So I don't know how fit you were in previous years, but it doesn't really matter. There's no point focusing on that. You're coming up to your 50th birthday. You want to think, right, what can I do today? Where would I like to be by my 50th? and start focusing on that because you will see improvements if you start doing stuff and to focus on those small improvements is more important and more positive and beneficial to focus on, uh, um, you know, I, I used to be able to do this or that or whatever. It really doesn't help. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so taking that stance initially is the main thing. Uh, but also trying to give people a bit of an understanding that certainly with MS, you're going to have crap days, right? you're going to have days where you'll go into the gym or your living room and do your workout and you'll perform outstandingly. Then the next day you might have a really rubbish day and, and, and that's the nature of the beast. But I try and say to people, don't worry about the peaks and troughs, right? You're focusing on the line of the curve, the general line. So if you do have a crap day, it doesn't matter. As long as your next good day is a step up from the previous one, which theoretically should happen. Uh, if you're Mm. sort of starting from, from scratch or whatever.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Particularly like you're using me as an example.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure about that. So, um. Who do you know that's been recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis? Wouldn't it be great if you could meet other people without having to leave your own home? Well, there's a Facebook group just for you in Facebook, search for ms newly diagnosed all you've got to do is answer the join questions and if you've been diagnosed within the last nine months this is the place for you so have you got um any example case studies of some results that you've seen
1: yeah loads i mean this is like there are thousands of people doing my program so uh uh, people are posting in my Facebook group all the time about big wins I try and encourage it as part as part of the positivity thing I suppose every Wednesday I have something called win Wednesday where I get people to post their little achievements no matter how small they are but uh, but I recently did a webinar and I used three good case studies to highlight the the, the major issues that people uh, that a number of people that I surveyed mentions and those are going to be uh, mobility or improving mobility, overcoming fatigue, and then controlling your weight. Uh, and so I use these three examples of people and Fran was the first one who, who came to me with, uh, quite wobbly legs. Like she described herself as Bambi basically, uh, you know, (laughs) like the Disney movie cartoon. So, uh, and she had a goal, which was to, to walk up some steps in the garden without holding on to somebody, because at the moment she would need to hold on to her husband or, or whatever. And so I gave her a program, and it was only it did, only took her six weeks, like of the twelve week program, and she was able to send me a video of her walking up, not just up the steps, but down the steps, free hand, you know. And it you know it looked it looked controlled. Like she said <laughs> she said it required a lot of concentration. Uh, so and I dare say she still felt slightly nervous. But it was the fact going from not being able to do that at all to actually being able to do it. And, uh, you know, and, and that was six weeks ago. Now, now she's even in a slightly better position. So uh, so that that kind of highlights the mobility side of things. Uh, there's I used an example of someone with a fatigue like I don't like uh, I don't make any false promises. And one of the things I say about fatigue is you, you're not going to cure it necessarily. It might go away if you're lucky and it might not. Uh, but there are a few things that you can do to manage the fatigue and that's eat a sensible diet uh, and and train sensibly like don't go and do like high intensity interval training don't go and do marathons uh, things like that because that will leave you messed up for the next probably a week uh, but one woman i've been working with for nearly two years and she's actually got uh, ME uh, so severe fatigue like many days spent in bed Uh, doesn't often leave the house leaving the house is the sort of thing that will put her back in bed so but she's pretty much worked out with weight training style exercises for almost two years without fail now and she's got incredibly strong as a result of it like her strength is is increased almost threefold Uh, Mm -hmm. from just being consistent with it and doing it in the right kind of way that it's manageable for someone with fatigue and it it does need to be sensibly done. Uh, but know, she's not, it's not cured of fatigue and that's not the point of it. The point of it is to still be able to maintain exercise and function despite something as crippling as fatigue that you think is going to stop you from doing anything. So, so I mean, those, those are some quite good sort of training examples. And then I use one example of someone who, uh, it's a weight loss example because people come to me sort of at the end of their tether thinking they've tried everything with regards to weight control. And, and uh, to me, it's quite simple. Uh, it's about, if, you, if you're if you not driving the car anymore, you don't need to keep filling up the fuel. Uh, uh, but people have this perception that you need to eat a healthy diet. You've got to eat breakfast, you've got to eat lunch, you've got to eat dinner. Your majority of your food needs to come from sort of grain based things like you know bread, rice and pasta which is all nonsense, of course. Uh, so uh, a client called Kate, who could literally only move her neck and her arm. Okay, So she was a wheelchair user. She was never going to burn off the body fat through exercise. Uh, but what I just taught her how to eat properly. I, I just said, look, you don't move, right? You can't eat what I eat. You can't eat what your mate eats. You've got to eat what's sensible for you. And you're certainly not mm. going to die. If anything, you're less likely to die if you start eating... The right kind of stuff, uh, and she lost loads of weight, like she because she described me, she she described herself as a blob when she first came to me because she couldn't really move, she couldn't really move, and she was you know, she felt so overweight. But by the end of it, she she, she'd lost enough weight. Uh, I'm sure she carried on actually, but what she'd learned is how to do it for herself and how to eat Mm -hmm. sensibly without cravings or binge eating and things. So, so yeah. Mm -hmm. those, those are three good examples that cover various quite important aspects of uh, sort of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so you're kind of all encompassing with the stuff that you do. Yeah, um, to meet. To help with the lifestyle. I've got to just comment at this point, and we're obviously on a video call, um, and Dom's sitting there, and he's got a t-shirt that says Daddy Pig. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> from my... Pepper Pig. <laughs> Picked
1: this up at Peppa Pig Land when I took my daughter there about six, six months ago. I cut the <laughs> I cut the sleeves off though. Like they, they, it didn't come like this. That's uh, oh
0: okay. You've customized <laughs> the Daddy Pig look. That's what you? I
1: do with all my T-shirts, you know. Uh,
0: <laughs> so I thought I've got to point that out. So now you can visualize as you're listening into the podcast. You can visualize Dom at the other end talking all professional, and that he's got Daddy Pig from Peppa Pig.
1: I don't don't take myself too
0: seriously (laughs) oh gosh um is there anybody that you've met that you've not been able to help
1: uh yeah well (laughs) yeah I mean you're waving at me so I can't remember what you're you signed up for my flab program didn't you uh yeah it's, and uh what was what when was i wasn't your in a good
0: place yeah I wasn't in and, a good place
1: and this is it. It, it this is what i say this this business model the major drawback or the only real drawback is the 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 mental health side of things if you're not in the right mental space for it it's not going to happen because i'm not i'm not able to go and knock on your door and say right bron come on let's do some exercise but equally even if i did that i'm not going to stop you from eating junk and stuff throughout the week unless i was there 24 7 with you Uh, there's not a lot you can do to help people until they're ready uh, mentally uh, Mm. is is probably a good point and that's happened uh, a couple of times which is I know I say to people I give a full money-back guarantee because I want people to sign up knowing that there is very little risk like hopefully I fill them with confidence that there's no risk in the stuff I'm going to give them causing any issues for them Uh, but the 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 risk is that they're not going to do it and they're going to have spent their money and lost it so i say look if you're if it doesn't work for you or whatever you're entitled to a refund uh uh, and that i think is is quite important when you're dealing with chronic illnesses and and mental health conditions as
0: well i think it really is Mm. yeah and you know i i admit that i've obviously been in an 18 month however long it was the doldrums of facing up to you know i'm going to try a mobility scooter and just feeling really down about things generally Mm. um and i think there is a big part of this where it's down to mental attitude and feeling that you're in the right place at the right time to do this
1: so and that must
0: be really frustrating for you sometimes as well
1: i i have to trust that the people that get in touch with me are doing it when they're ready uh, own the, the way I sort of run my business is I'm constantly putting out help for people at all times and as much information as I can and letting people, uh, know that if they do want to work with me, how they can do that. And then you kind of sit back and wait for people to get in touch because if I went around phoning people, like if I'd got a mailing list or went knocking on people's doors saying, Hey, I can get you fit and stuff like that. Uh, It it, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen Mm. until people are mentally ready. So the the assumption is that when people finally decide to contact me, they've they've made the right sort of steps in their mind and they are ready to do it. Sometimes things happen that are unexpected. You know, there will be people that will sign up with good intentions and two weeks later there's a death in the family, for example. And that's happened not long ago uh, and you know, I refunded the client cause she, she was like, there's, there's nothing. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to focus on this at the moment. I've got far too much other stuff to do. So, you know, it, there's an assumption that people are ready, but you never really know what's around the corner, unfortunately. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so Dom, if somebody wanted to find out more, how can they do this? What's the best way?
1: You can actually Google Dom Thorpe and the first whole page will be me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I am at Disability Training, all one word. Twitter, uh, twitter.com forward slash Dom Thorpe, uh, or Facebook. You'll, I think I'll probably be the first. Dom thought that comes up, but might I have a business page, which is uh, Facebook.com forward slash Disability Training London.
0: Brilliant. Okay, so people can find you through all the social media channels. Yeah, and reach sure. out to you that way if they want to find out some more. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth doing. Um, okay, so I think we've covered everything. Not everything, obviously. We've got a lot of your background, a lot of your sort of what's got you to where it is, but more importantly, the benefits that working with you can bring to people. And I think it's, it's just an amazing offering that you've got for people with MS. So on behalf of the MS community, thank you for working out so ways to it. help us. No, but I've, I've got sort of finishing question that I always ask people. Yeah. If you could be anywhere in the world, and You could be drinking anything at all. Where yeah. would you be, and That's what it. would you be drinking?
1: That's an easy question because me and my wife, our favourite place in the world is called Carcassonne, and it's in France. And it's in like France, a, yeah. It's it's a uh, a castle within some castle walls, and it's like a little medieval citadel. And we go there pretty much every year. In fact, this will be the first year that we haven't gone there since I've met my wife. Actually. Uh, and there's a hotel in there, and the barman is called Gaton, and he makes exquisite cocktails, so we will sit at the bar and chat to Gaton all night, and he'll make make an array of different fabulous cocktails with he spends ages with the garnishes and everything like that uh so one of them i mean my favorite my favorite cocktails are Manhattan, but uh, when he makes a Manhattan, it's kind of fairly plain compared to. The extravagant other things that he would make as well. <laughs> so, anything from Gaton in Carcassonne with my wife would be uh, the, the, the would place. Would be that, your ideal. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. I used, uh, well, I still got a friend who used to have a place out in Carcassonne and I never got oh, right. to go. Okay. Um, and she told me how many little tiny steps it had to get up to where the bedroom was. And I thought, mm, maybe not. Maybe that's <laughs> not the place I should go and stay anyway. But she used to rave on about Carcassonne and being yeah. so beautiful. So, yeah, a, yeah that amazing. sounds like a great thing to be doing.
1: Yeah, there's so. as well. when, uh, when lockdown sorts itself out, maybe, maybe we'll have the chance to go back out there. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Yeah. yeah. Thanks ever so much, Dom, for joining me today and yeah. telling us so much more about you and everything that you do. Really glad you could join.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been nice talking
0: there's a five-day challenge. This five-day challenge is exactly what you'll need if you've recently been diagnosed with MS and you want to regain an element of control in your life. Details of how to find the group are on the Multiple Success Facebook page. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast And if you'd like to get more involved with The MS Show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for The MS Show. Come back soon for another dose of MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to The MS Show Podcast.